What's the scariest thing you have ever done? Last night, there was a knucklehead that yelled, get married. (laughs) I think he's in marriage counseling right now. Obviously, it was a guy. For me, it happened uh, almost 10 years ago. 10 years ago, a friend of mine uh, turned 40, and he said, hey, Jeremy, like it or not, for my 40th birthday, we're going skydiving. And I am terrified of heights. Some of you are thinking, like, uh, you're tall. I'm like, uh, you're mean, all right? Um, and so we, we went to a place in Lodi, which I would not recommend anymore. Uh, <laughs> that was not rehearsed. That just came out. Sorry if you're the owner and you attend our church. Uh, so, so we went out there, and uh, you, it was a tandem uh, skydiving. So you would get, you know, um, connected to another professional, and I got a guy that was, you know, about my weight, but he was a lot shorter. So I was, like, walking around like this, you know. It was just really awkward. Anyway, we got up into the plane, and all of a sudden, at 13,000 feet, the engine gets cut and the door opens, and you don't have time to think, and, you know, they're like, hey, the one thing you don't want to do is jump because if, like, you jump, the guy behind you, he can hit his head you know, on the, the door, so I, frightened, I jumped, of course, and he almost hit his head, and uh, I almost died, and uh, it was great, but uh, we're on our way down, and I am hyperventilating, like, consistently, because I am scared to death. Not only that, I rededicated my life to Jesus, like, five <laughs> times on the way down, and I, I finally landed, and I'm like, oh, I am never doing that again. And I say that because I was, I was scared. I, I was frightened. And I believe that's the same place that, that Joshua was in Joshua chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, meet me in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 is where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. One of the ushers will get one to you in just a moment. I want to give a shout out to those joining us in the loft, those joining us online. So glad that you're tuning in with us today. We use the ESV, the English Standard Version, which is a great uh, read of the Bible. And we use it because not only is it easy to read, but it's a word-for-word translation and not just a thought-for-thought. But any Bible that you have that clearly and accurately uh, unfolds the word of God and translate it is a great one to read. Somebody once asked me, what's the best translation? One that you'll actually read, right? That's the best one. We use the ESV. So uh, again, Joshua chapter one, the sixth book of the uh, Old Testament. And uh, it's vision weekend. And I am just so excited about this weekend. And if I start talking way too fast, it's because I'm excited. I had way too much coffee, and I'm just really, really pumped for today. I had a conversation a couple years ago in my office with somebody that's a a pastor friend. He was here speaking on the weekend. He said, Jeremy, what's the hardest thing about being a lead pastor? And I paused, and there were so many things that went through my heart at that time. I, I thought, you know what, faith. I think faith is the hardest thing because it is so easy to to live with fear. And from that moment on, I began thinking just a little bit differently. How would my life be different if I wasn't afraid? How would my life be different if the motivating factor for my life was faith and not fear? Because we all have fears in our life. We can be fear of, fearful of heights. We can be fearful of driving in the snow, fearful of going to the dentist, fearful of public speaking. The list goes on and on. In fact, when we're born, all of us are born with a couple fears. We have the fear of falling, and we have the fear of loud noises. Every single baby has that. And from that point on, we just develop more and more fears in our lives. And we don't realize that fear keeps us from experiencing everything that God wants us to. 
Fear keeps us from being the person God wants us to be, that, that spouse that God wants us to be, the employee that God wants us to be. And so what does it mean to, to live a life of faith and not fear? And that's where we run into Joshua. Joshua chapter one, let's stand as we honor the reading of God's word. Joshua 1, starting in verse 1, reads, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, my, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give to you, just as I promised to Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now verse 9, circle, underline, highlight this verse if you've got your Bible. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Heavenly Father, in this moment, we ask, we invite you to have your way in our lives. God, would you speak to us clearly? God, if there's areas of our lives that need to be changed, would you change us from the inside out? God, we pray that when we leave here today, we would leave here differently God, I humbly ask that you would take over my mouth, my mind, and my heart, and you would proclaim the message you have in store for your people today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, every, every year I have the privilege to spend some time by myself, usually May, June, July, and just think through the upcoming year, uh, six months out, and really think through, God, what, what do you have in store for our church? God, what's your prayer for us collectively, but also individually? How, how, do, we, how do we, with one word, allow you to, to just really transform our lives and based upon what God's been doing in my life and what I've been hearing from him, uh, it's Vision Weekend, and I'm just really excited to share with you a, a word, a principle that I believe if you apply to your life, you will never be the same. And so our, our word this year for our church, collectively and individually, is fearless. It's fearless. And really asking the question, what would you do if you weren't afraid? As a church, how would we be different 
if we weren't afraid, because this is a command from God. Notice what he says. This is our verse for the year. Joshua 1.9 puts it this way. He says, have I not commanded you? I love that. He didn't say, have I not suggested? Have I not recommended? He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, there are so many different reasons and ways that we could be fearful. In fact, this is what fear is. Fear is an unpleasant and often strong emotion caused by the awareness or anticipation of danger. A a real simple, easy way to understand what fear is is simply this. It's false evidence appearing real. I want to say that one more time. False evidence evidence appearing real. And yet this isn't the spirit that God has given us. God has not given us a spirit of fear. In fact, Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7, he put it this way, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And I think about this, how would our lives be differently if we chose to live by faith instead of fear. Uh, We'd make different choices, we'd live different lives, but I believe spiritually we'd be different. Why? Because we would be sharing our faith, we would be joining community, we would be involved in different ministries. For some of us, we've been wanting to go on a missions trip for years, but we've never done so because of fear in our lives. And if we're not careful, fear can cripple us. There was a study done in 2013 by Lifeway. Lifeway is a Christian organization. They produce a magazine. And it was a question about the unchurched people and their willingness to come to church if they were simply invited. And they did a study all across America, and this was their understanding. They, they, they found out that 82% of the unchurched people, if they were actually invited to church, would come. This means if a a friend met them at church, a friend just invited them, whatever it is. If people are invited, they will come. And across America at that time, there were 135 people that were estimated to be unchurched, which means if all of them were invited, 110 million people would go to church that aren't currently going to church. Eight out of 10 people. I think about the Modesto area, the surrounding area, maybe 10 to to 15 miles within our church. Maybe there's 400,000 people, let's say. According to Barna, 50% of people in Modesto are unchurched. That means 200,000. If we invited everybody within 10 or 15 miles, that means 160,000 people would be willing to go to church. Now here's here's the scary statistic, is that only 2% of Christians actually invite people to church. Why? I believe it's because we're afraid. We're afraid of what people will say. We're afraid people will ask us a a question about the Bible. What does it say in second hesitations, four, nine, right? We we just don't know. I don't even know where that Bible book was in the Bible. It's not, right? Um, We're afraid somebody's going to put us on the spot. We're, We're fearful. And so today, we're, we're, as we're casting vision for the year, and we're going to look at different areas of fear in the next several weeks, I just simply want to ask the question, this is the big question, it's in your notes, how do we live fearlessly in 2019? What does it mean for you and for me and for our church together to move forward and live fearlessly in 2019 so that our fears are not mastering us, but we're mastering our fears? And let me just 
say this and clarify this. Living fearlessly does not mean living foolishly. All right? In other words, I don't want to hear somebody come up to me in in three weeks and be like, Pastor, I'm living fearlessly. I quit my job, and I'm waiting for another one. Okay, you're going to go in the small group for the stupid people over there, right? No. I don't want you to do that because that's not living wisely. We can be wise and we can still be fearless at the same time. Point one in your notes, how do we live fearlessly, is understand the unlimited numbers of fears that can drive us. There are so many different fears that can drive us if we're not careful. And for some of us, we share common fears. Some of them are unique. I think about some of the unique fears that are out there. There's the, the fear of snakes in the toilet. Some people are just scared of that. Uh, There's uh, phonophobia, which is a fear of noises or voices or of one's own voice. There are people that are scared of their own voice. Now, as a dad, sometimes I wish my kids were scared of their own voice because they just talk so much. But I think about cats. Cats are scared to death of cucumbers. How many of you actually knew that? They're scared to death of cucumbers. In fact, check out this video. Now, now, honesty time, how, how many of you are thinking, I've got to go home and get a cucumber and put it behind my neighbor's cat, right? Oh, you people. Man. Now, why are they scared of cucumbers? They think they're snakes. Don't miss this. Where does fear often begin? It's in the mind. Our mind, if we're not careful, can lead us to places and fears that we never imagined. And that was Joshua. Here's Joshua. He has a call upon his life. In fact, this is what God says to Joshua in Joshua 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, in the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. He's telling Joshua, Joshua, Moses is dead. You're the man. And he could have been absolutely terrified. We know that, that he was scared. Why? Because three different times in this passage, God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. He was addressing the greatest hindrance in his life. Joshua, if you don't get to a point in your life where you're fearless, you can't be the leader that I want you to be. Joshua, if you don't get to a point in your life where you're fearless, you're not going to lead these people the way I want you to. So God in his sovereignty is addressing the greatest thing that will hinder Joshua from moving forward. And I believe that's the same for, for really most of us. The greatest thing that's going to keep us from moving forward in 2019 is fear. It's fear. I mean, think about all of these fears that Joshua could have lived with. He could have lived with a fear of comparison. I'm not like Moses. Moses was smart. Moses was experienced. Moses had this really cool, full white beard. That was funny. You should have laughed at that, all right? Fear of comparison. 
fear of making a mistake. I, I haven't done this before. For me, one of the times where I, I get the most fearful just to be super transparent is doing things that I've never done before. Why? Because if I'm not careful, I can rely on my experience. I can rely on what's been done before. I like to rely on the known instead of the unknown. And so that's why it's so important for me personally and as a church that we go places and do things that we've never done before because it forces us to rely on faith and not fear. Joshua could have gotten to a point where he was, uh, there was fear of failure. Like, I'm just not good enough. Could have gotten to a point where he was just fear of expectations. I'm going to let these people down. Like, I'm going to make these mistakes. They're not going to like me. And lastly, there could have been this fear of challenges. I can't win these battles. There's going to be battle after battle after battle that Joshua's going to need to, to fight, and he could have been fearful. And yet, in the midst of all of this, God's saying, Joshua, instead of you retreating, I want you to advance. Joshua, you know I have no idea what's going to happen the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year, but I want you to know one thing. I've got you. I'm here for you. And I believe that's the same thing that God wants to share with every single one of us today. You have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. But God's saying to us the same thing that he's saying to Joshua. I've got you. I've got this figured out. I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. I mean, God has so much to say about fear. And when we think about the do's and don'ts in scripture, often we think about the don'ts like don't lie, don't steal, don't murder. We think about the do's like do love your neighbor, uh, do love people, do all these good things. But when we think about the commands of the Bible, look at how much it says do not be afraid is in the Bible. It's 120 times. Why? Because God knew that we would struggle with this. I think about the, the phrase, do not fear, is 131 times in the scriptures. And often when we see these phrases in the Bible, when God's saying, do not be afraid or do not fear, it's often followed by something that God is currently doing or something God is going to do. In other words, don't be afraid because you can put all your confidence in me. Don't be afraid because this is what I'm going to do or this is what I'm currently doing. I'm at work behind the scenes. You can trust me. Throughout the scriptures, God is constantly saying, you can trust me, you can trust me, you can trust me. And there's 10 different times in the scriptures where God says, do not be afraid. And then he says, and don't be discouraged. Why? Because often during our times of it, discouragement, it's motivated by being afraid. And so there's so many different reasons why Joshua could have been fearful, why he could have said, God, God, what if this happens? What if they don't like me? What if I fail? What if I'm not like Moses? And if we're not careful, our minds in the midst of our fear will quickly go to the what if. What if I can't get a job? What if I'm single the rest of my life? What if I don't have enough money? What if my kids don't turn out okay? What if fill in the blank happens? And so what is that for you? We have space in your notes right now. What's that fear in your life that you haven't addressed? What's that fear in your life that's crippling you, that's hurting you, that's keeping you from moving forward? Maybe it's one, maybe it's two. But here's what we do know. Fear, in your notes, fear focuses on self and the unknown. It focuses on our power, our strength, and the unknown. Here's where faith and courage are different. Faith and courage focuses on God and the known. Anytime we focus more on a situation or a circumstance, more than we focus on God, fear will always be the result. 
But when we focus on God more than we focus on our current fear, faith, courage, boldness will be the result. Psalm 43 verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me out of all my fears. I love what Mark Twain said. He put it this way. He said, courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, but not absence of fear. I love that. Even in the midst of fear, there's resistance and there's mastery, but there's not absence. So the first thing that we need to do is be real and be honest that there are so many different fears that can motivate us and drive us if we're not careful. But the second point, how do we live fearlessly in 2019? It's simply this, choose to consistently trust God. Choose to consistently trust God. Not not just trust him one time. Trust is a daily decision to say, God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you every single day. I'm gonna trust you in my finances, my relationships, every single area of our lives. And I believe that there were five areas that God was calling Joshua to trust him. And some of you are thinking, Jeremy, yeah, great. That story happened thousands of years ago. Joshua is a totally different person, and I would say you're absolutely right, but it's the same God. Same God yesterday is the same God we serve today is the same God that we serve tomorrow. And there's five areas where God is saying, hey, consistently, you can trust me because this is what I can do for your life. The first thing that we need to do is trust God's provision. Trust God's provision. And this is what it says in verse three and four. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great Euphrates, or the the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. He's simply saying, Joshua, I'm your provider. Joshua, I'm going to take care of everything. The, The word... Um, Jehovah Jireh simply means the Lord will provide or God is our provider. It's not just what God does, it's literally who he is. And I think for a lot of us, if we take a step back in our lives and we say, you know what, God, I've wanted you to help me with my job. I wanted you to provide for me relationally. I want you to provide for me financially. I think God would say, I want to, but you've never let me be a part of your finances. You've never even asked me what I want you to do when it comes to a job. You've never asked me like, who I have in store for you to marry. Like You want me to provide for you, and I want to do that, but you've never actually even let me be a part of your life. I want to provide. And we see this in, in Genesis chapter 22. What is Abraham doing? Abraham's taking his son Isaac up onto the mountain to sacrifice him because he's being obedient to God. God says, I want you to take Isaac, and he lays him down, on this altar, and he's getting ready to sacrifice him, kill him. God sees his obedience, stops him in the midst of that, and there's a ram in the thickets, and that's where we see in the Old Testament this first understanding of of God is our provider. The Lord provides right when we need it, and he's telling Joshua, Joshua, I've already done the work. Every place you put your foot on, I'm going to give you. The first thing that we need to choose on a daily basis is to trust God's provision. Second of all, We need to trust God's power. We need to trust God's power. 
In the early 90s, I went to El Camino High School in Sacramento, and there was uh, this guy named Jed Lee there, and he was an absolute beast. He was 300 pounds as a freshman, six foot five, played on the football team, and he would destroy people. Played on the offensive line, uh, he would constantly run over people, run through people, hurt people. I had a class next to him in high school, and he would get out at the same time as me, and I would walk right behind him on the hallway, and it was like just the Red Sea was parting. You know, it was just awesome. He, he was an absolute beast. There was nobody that could stand up in front of him. And this is what God's saying to Joshua in verse five. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Joshua, not because of your power. Not because you're massive. But because I am. Joshua, do you believe that? Joshua, do you believe that there's nobody that's gonna be able to stand before you all the days of your life? We see back in Numbers 13 and, and 14, the Israelites are getting close to, to going into the promised land. And what happens, God has them send 12 spies to go check out the land. There's 12 spies that go and they see two different things. They see, first of all, that the land is absolutely beautiful and amazing. But second of all, they see these guys that are there. They are monsters. They're a bunch of Jed Lee's, 306 foot five guys. And so 10 of these spies are terrified and they go back and they're like, hey, Moses, we would be crazy to move forward and try to, try to advance. Joshua and Caleb are like, we'd be crazy not to. It made me thinking, like, how are we more like Joshua and Caleb? How are we people that are moving forward and advancing instead of retreating? And I believe that Joshua and Caleb did a couple things. I believe in their heart of hearts, they were able to reflect on their history with God before they moved forward with God. In other words, they reminded themselves of the faithfulness of God. And that's one of the reasons why I keep a, a journal, a prayer journal. I'm constantly writing down prayers, prayers that are answered so that when it's time to move forward and when I am scared, because yes, I get scared as a pastor, I can look back at the faithfulness of God before I move forward. You know, I think about our church. We wouldn't be here today if the founding family members were filled with fear. The church started out in a barn. In a group of people that said, you know what, we believe there are better days ahead. We've got this golf course that we're currently on. We put together architectural plans and built this multi-million dollar facility. Why? Because they chose to be fearless instead of fearful. So I believe Joshua and Caleb looked back, but also as they moved forward, they believed that there were things that God wanted them to do that they were incapable of doing themselves. Don't miss that. I believe as a church, as we move forward for us to be fearless, there are going to be things that God calls us to do collectively where it is impossible for us to do ourselves, but possible with God because we choose to trust in his power. We trust God's provision. We trust God's power. Thirdly, in your notes, we trust God's promises. We trust God's promises. What does he promise to Joshua at the end of verse five? He says this, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. I love that word forsake, abandon, neglect, forget. It's God's promise. I'm not gonna forget about you. Some of you here today feel forgotten. You've been abandoned. God's promise is I will not forget about you. I will not abandon you. There's nothing you could ever do that would change God's love for you. 
I think sometimes we, we have a hard time understanding that because of experiences we've had in our own life. I remember I was in elementary school and my dad said, hey, Jeremy, it's a hot day. It was going to take me and my brothers for a walk and we we're going to walk to McDonald's and get ice cream. It was like a mile walk. So we, we, we're walking. It's over 100 degrees out and I call it child abuse. But anyway, we're walking and uh, we finally get to McDonald's and I'm, I'm like, done. I can't wait for this ice cream. This is going to be the best thing. And my dad gets his wallet out to pay for the ice cream and he doesn't have his wallet. And so we turn around and we walk a mile back home. And that was like one of the worst experiences. My dad let me down. I was frustrated. We drove back in the car the second time, got an ice cream. He redeems himself. But you know what? God, God's got, not going to let you down. Don't miss that. God will never let you down. Yes, God's plan may be different from yours. Yes, God has a different way of doing things than maybe you do. But when we take a step back and, and look at our lives 10 years back, 20 years back, sometimes we say, oh, God, that's what you were up to. God, that's what you were doing. And so we get to a point like Joshua where for us to be fearless, we have to trust in God's promises. Fourthly, what do we do? We trust in God's purpose. We trust in God's purpose. Here's where God tells Joshua two times again. He says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Joshua, be strong and very courageous. I believe that Joshua's purpose is the same purpose that every single one of us have. Don't miss this. Joshua, I want you to walk in obedience. Joshua, I'm calling you to do a couple things. I want you to be strong. I want you to be courageous. I'm going to say that multiple times. But the, the word... The book of the law, which is simply the Bible. Back then it was the, uh, the first five books of the, the Bible. Joshua, I want you to meditate it on it day and night. I don't want you to go to the right. I don't want you to go to the left. I, I want it to be in your life. And, and he breaks this down in, a, in an interesting way. He says, Joshua, this law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to it all that is written. I love that because he's saying, Joshua, it's so much more than just reading the Bible. I believe that Satan at times doesn't mind that Christians just read their Bible and it stops there because there's no life transformation with that. He's saying, Joshua, not only do I want you to read the word, I want it to be on your lips. I want you to talk about it on a regular basis. Joshua, as you're reading the scriptures, I want you to meditate on it. I want you to be constantly thinking about what you're reading. And if that's not enough, Joshua, I want it to sink down from your mind to your heart so that you actually live it out. I want you to do everything that the word of God says. See, I believe walking in obedience reveals a couple different things. Number one, I believe it's a great way for us to show Jesus that we truly love him. Jesus told us, if you love me, you will obey what I command. But I believe walking in obedience is really the goal of being an authentic follower of Jesus. Sure, part of being authentic as a follower of Jesus Christ is being real with our struggles and our failures and, and all of that. And I'm so glad that this is a church where it's safe to be able to do that. But the ultimate goal of being authentic is walking in obedience, not just in some areas of our life, but all of our life. That's why Jesus said in the Great Commission, go into all the world to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And here's Joshua. Joshua, I need you to obey me. I need you to be strong and courageous. I need you to meditate on the word 
all the time. Have it be on your lips. Live it out. And we see in Joshua chapter 5, his first battle, what does God tell him to do? Hey, it's time to conquer Jericho, and here's your battle plan. I want you to have your, your army march around it one time for six days. And then on the seventh day, march around it seven times. The drill team's going to come out. The uh, band is going to come out. They're going to uh, play some uh, horns, and then the walls are going to come down. Can you imagine Joshua? He, he's, he's the new leader, and he hears this from God, and all the army comes to him. He's like, Joshua, what's the plan? We're going to walk around Jericho one time. What? That's your battle plan? Yeah, no, but tomorrow we're going to do the same thing. What? No, we're going to do it six days in a row. And that's it? No, on the seventh day, we're going we're gonna to walk around it seven times. And we got the drill team coming out. We got the drum line coming out. We're going to blow our horns, and the wall, walls are going to fall down. I mean, think about it. There are a thousand different ways that Joshua could have attacked Jericho, but only one way would have been doing it obediently. And that's God's way. And so for us to live fearlessly in 2019, walking in obedience with that purpose, to do things God's way, I want to just ask you a simple, simple question. Is, is what this year do you need to say no to? What is it this year in your life that's, that's crept in where for you to live fearlessly, you need to say, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that anymore. No, I'm not going to be a part of that anymore. No, that's not going to consume me anymore. Maybe it's an addiction to pornography. Maybe you're just abusing medication. Maybe you've allowed your mouth to just get in a regular pattern of speaking profanity. I don't know what it is, but you've been fearful of maybe being caught. But what is it this year for you to live fearlessly, say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm going to surrender this area of my life, and I'm going to do whatever I need to do to be right with you. Where do you need to say no? But the second question is, where do you need to say yes to God? Because for some of us, God has been prompting our hearts to do something bold, courageously, and we've been saying no simply because of fear. Where do you need to say yes? To sharing your faith, to inviting a friend to church, to serving, to going out and getting a new job because God's putting that on your heart, to going to the mission field, to be a full-time missionary. I don't know what it is. But where is it that God wants you to, to trust his purpose and walk truly in obedience and if that's not enough, there's a fifth thing that God calls Joshua to do, and that's trust God's presence. I'd simply trust God's presence. My daughter Hallie's eight years old, and it, it's, it's interesting. Um, over the last several years, she's had a fear of the dark. And just recently, she's had this fear of being alone. She just doesn't like being alone, and it, it's it's, it's kind of sad, but I, I got to be honest, as her dad, I kind of like it because at night she says, Dad, will you come snuggle with me? And I'm like, yeah, right? Ab absolutely. She's mommy's little girl, but, but sometimes she uh, calls for dad. So I've been going up at night and I just snuggle with her and I'll tell her a story and I'll scratch her back. And there's something calming for her knowing that, that her dad's present, that her father's present. And so... I think the same is for us. I think there's something calming. I think there's something powerful for every single one of us when we realize that our Father is present. And that's what God's telling Joshua. Joshua, in the midst of all the unknowns that you're gonna be dealing with, Joshua, in the midst of all of these battles, in the midst of leading all these people, yes, I want you to be obedient, but there's something that you need to know and something you need to be secure in. I will be with you. 
And so our verse for the year, Joshua 1.9, says this, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. I love that word dismayed. It really means discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There's something powerful about the presence of God when we realize we're not alone. You know, Alyssa is a gal that goes to our church. And uh, it's amazing to hear her story of somebody that was once walking in fear and now is choosing to live fearlessly. Check out her story. Um, my uh, parents lost two children full term, so that was always like a sadness over my family. My dad was an alcoholic because of it. Um, my brother and I were always very aware of that. So even at four years old, um, the, this was the first time that I was um, sexually abused. And um, when it happened, I knew there was a lot of sadness already in my family. This was bad. So I just avoided the man that did it and didn't say anything. Um, at eight years old, uh, I was uh, abused again and I was, con I continued to be abused through childhood, didn't talk about it because, uh, my parents struggled with my dad's alcoholism. Otherwise my parents were actually very protective and involved in my life. And, um, I was very active in sports and athletics. I was very overweight. Um, that was the barrier between me and the world. I felt like I struggled with bulimia secretly and that bulimia, um, didn't leave me just because. I uh, was a star on the court or because I was able to, um, you know, recruit myself to a college from Hilmer High. Uh, that disease didn't leave me. My past didn't leave me. So at 25, I uh, became pregnant with um, a, a guy that I had decided to date long term and he was wonderful and um, God wasn't a part of his life and God was on such the back burner for me. It didn't matter at that point. Uh, we started talking about family and, and raising this child together and um, Rory was born and the realization that God gave me a little girl to raise and um, I was in no place to be that person um, to raise a child um, I felt unworthy so Christmas morning um, there wasn't a fight there was nothing it was just are we going to your parents' house where there's so much drinking involved and, and, and just unhealthy activity on Christmas that I don't feel comfortable there? Or are you going to come to my dad's house where, you know, our family is there and you're always welcome there? Um, and um, my husband left me on Christmas morning, 2016, and it was painful and it was lonely, but I had this community. I had, um, you know, Shelter Cove where I came on Sundays and I felt safe and I really felt God's presence. And I had this gym community where I was lifted up and um, also I could physically exert any frustration and any fear that I felt, I could physically exert that and then come to Christ and feel filled. And then Belize was mentioned and special needs. And just instantly it was, it was that, that this is where you're going, this is what you're doing. Um, living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck, I don't have any resources to go to Belize, but I knew I was going to Belize. And um, I think about a week later, 
I'm going to say I was called to because I can't even remember how I heard about the Sidekicks Ministry. Um, I ended up at the Sidekicks Ministry uh, meeting for new volunteers. That trip to Belize changed my entire life. I was baptized on February. I'm going to say in February because I don't remember the date. <laughs> I was baptized in February 2017. And I remember thinking, um, that that was probably the best gift I could give myself to give myself the gift of of saying that I'm I'm a child of God. It's kind of fearless. I just keep moving forward and praying and and listening. And there's not there's no fear involved. I'm not afraid of failing anymore because I look at my past and those failures like, wow, what a story. And when I speak to others through that transparency, it's like, I'm surprised by very little. <laughs> and I have so much confidence that it's going to be okay, that I can really support and love others through things because I know it's going to be okay. Amen, church. I absolutely love Alyssa's story. I love that she says, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to be fearful anymore of failing. And for so many of us, that's, that's the greatest fear that we have. She said, with God, everything's going to be okay. There's something powerful about living fearlessly when we truly trust God, when we trust God's provision, when we trust God's power, when we trust God's promises, when we trust God's purpose, and when we trust God's presence. And there's a final Final blank in your note, what else do we want to do? We want to trust God's people. We want to trust God's people. Don't put your notes away yet because there's a few other comments I want to make. Trust God's people. No, this is always supplementary to trusting God. How do you know if you're trusting people more than you should be? If the first person you turn to in the midst of your fear is a person instead of God, you're trusting people too much. Why? Because people will always let us down, but God will never let us down. But but. God brought some people into Joshua's life. They said, Joshua, you know what? Be bold, be strong, be courageous. As Moses led, you lead. As, as we obeyed Moses, we're gonna obey you. And I love at the end of, of Joshua chapter one, uh, some of the Israelites said, you know what? If anybody disobeys you, we're just gonna kill them. That was just cool, that was supportive. But trust God and trust God's people. How do we do that? We're in community. We're sharing our fears. We're asking, hey, can you pray for me? Because I got this fear that I don't want to drive my life anymore. I want to live by faith. It's being open. It's being honest. It's being transparent. Why? Because we all have fears. We all have struggles. We all have challenges. But what does it mean? What does it look like for you this year to live fearlessly? And this week, that's what I want you to ask. I want you to ask yourself that question. What, what does it mean for me, God, this week to be fearless? And for some of you, you're, 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 you're fearful of rejection so much to the point where you have been single for such a long time, you're scared to death to go on a date. And God's saying, you know what, I just want you to trust me. And there's others of us where it's the complete opposite. We're so fearful of being alone that we're in a relationship that we know we shouldn't be in. And God's gonna want us to, to change that. 
to break that off because this is, is a year where we're living fearlessly for Jesus Christ. Beginning of next year, when somebody says, hey, what's the scariest thing you've ever done? What are you gonna say? Hopefully it's not skydiving. But maybe some of you will say, you know what? I went on my first mission trip. I started sharing my faith. I started having conversations with people that I should have had years ago because I wasn't so scared of what they were gonna think of me. I don't know what it is, but that's my prayer for every single one of us, that this would be a year where the people of Shelter Cove are fearless. Let's stand so I can pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, I think about the amount of, of fears there are in this room, in the loft, those in the ministry mall, those joining us online, and if we're not careful, fear can paralyze us. Fear will make us retreat instead of moving forward, and we want this year to be a year where we are moving forward in our walk with you. And so God, we ask for your help. We ask that you would increase our faith. We ask that at the end of this year, we would be radically different because we've allowed you to rewrite our story because we've trusted you. God, would you have your way in our lives today? We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.